from the front lines of the green rush. This is Green Entrepreneur, where business owners talk about how they found success in cannabis and how you can too. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is John Small, and I am the editor-in-chief of Green Entrepreneur. We've got a really interesting show for us today. The future of cannabis is here in the building. (laughs) Natal Partansky joins us. He is the CEO of Sorting Robotics, which is a robotics company that builds robots for cannabis manufacturers and others. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, we build robots for cannabis manufacturers. Uh, the others is we used to, but now mostly just cannabis manufacturers. Awesome. Natal started his professional career working for NASA, and he built something called the Moxie Instrument, which is a device that is currently producing oxygen on the surface of Mars. That is so cool. But he turned his attention from Mars to marijuana in 2020 when he started Rise Co-Packing. And we're going to talk about why he did that and what the Sorting Robots company does for the marijuana cannabis manufacturing industry. So I'm very excited to bring you Natal Partansky. Hello. Cool. Thanks, John. Uh, How's it going? It's good, man. It's really, really good. All right. So before we get into your current life, I want to talk about your past life. You are, what is your job description and what what did you do at NASA? So my job description was a mechanical systems engineer. That was like my title. But um, what I did there was I was one of the lead mechanical engineers on the MOXIE project for the heart of that instrument called the SOXIE assembly. And that assembly is what is producing oxygen on the surface of Mars currently. So why do we need to produce oxygen on the on the surface of Mars? Well, a couple of reasons. The first reason is because why not, right? No, no, no. Uh, but uh, the first reason is actually to produce rocket fuel. You can create oxygen from the atmosphere of Mars, and then you can liquefy that oxygen, and then you can mine methane from the surface of Mars, and then boom, you got a methane oxygen rocket. And if you want to ever leave Mars, right, you're going to need to get your fuel from Mars. Otherwise, your lift vehicle is going to be too heavy for you to take the fuel that's required to get there and then take the fuel that's required to get back. So um, that's one big reason. And then the second reason is also for like humans, right? We need oxygen to breathe. And if you can mine it from the atmosphere and mine it from the planet that you're on, then you don't have to bring it with you. And that's really what that technology demonstrated is for. It's like this little kind of a two shoebox by two shoebox device. And it ingests the atmosphere of Mars. It heats it up to about an eighth the temperature of the sun. And then it applies an electric field to pull apart carbon dioxide into carbon monoxide and O2. That is so interesting. So that sounds like a really cool job. So I'm curious why you decided to leave NASA and pursue this other entrepreneurial endeavor at Sorting Robotics. Well, it is a cool job. You are correct. Um, But the thing about NASA is that it moves pretty slow. It's kind of this government agency and it has all this bureaucracy. And although the people at NASA and JPL, they're all like super smart and they're really great to work with. And the things that we're working on is they're all really cool. Like one of the other projects I worked on was like the uh, Mars sample return, which was um, like a rocket that was going to lift off of Mars and come back to Earth with... um, Martian rocks, stuff like that. Yeah, so it was was really cool, but I mean, it moves really slow. And I started a desktop 3D printing company when I was in graduate school. 
And I really kind of caught the entrepreneurial bug then. Like we, me and a couple of my friends got together, started building 3D printers, selling them to people in the United States and Canada. And although that company didn't work out, we had some issues with the investors during that process. It was like a really awesome like journey. And it was really cool, like kind of manifesting something, I guess, from an idea into a product, into something that people wanted to buy. And I kind of was missing that when I was at JPL. So after I delivered my technology to the higher level rover, I quit and did sorting robotics full time with one of my friends from JPL and one of my friends from the like a trading card game that I used to play. (laughs) So talk to me about then the transition from uh, sorting robotics. It didn't start off at first as a cannabis manufacturing products for the cannabis industry. So talk to me about that transition. Yeah. So when we were still working at GPL, we were kind of moonlighting as um, robotics engineers for e-commerce, which we made a machine that did... um, all the organization for online sales for people that sold trading cards like Magic the Gathering and Pokemon, because all that was done by hand and manually by a bunch of like high school kids all across all across the country, right? And um, and so we automated that whole kind of market segment, but it was kind of a small market, and we were looking kind of like what to do and what bigger market could have use for our skills, and we got into Y Combinator which is a startup accelerator in Mountain View. And and we got into that accelerator program for the sole reason of we wanted to use that network to find this bigger market, to leverage that, and then to use our skills in, in something that had a market size with a few more zeros behind it. Explain to uh, our audience what, a combi- what Y Combinator is, what an accelerator is. An accelerator program is effectively like a venture capital group with a business development program on the side. And um, Y Combinator is the very first accelerator. And it's also the biggest and kind of most popular one. Like they call it like the Harvard of Silicon Valley. <laughs> yeah, because like places like um, like Dropbox, Airbnb, Stripe, GitHub, like they all, or sorry, GitLab, they all like went through Y Combinator. Like Reddit went through Y Combinator. So they help um, you network, they give you money or no? Yeah, yeah, they... Um, uh, let's see when I think it always changes like every year, but when we went in, they gave us 150,000 for 7% of our company. And then they kind of, it's like this 10 week program during those 10 weeks, they show a different perspective on starting companies than you might get if you're just like a first time founder or, or you're like just trying to think in like a venture growth mindset. And then at the end of those 10 weeks, it ends with a demo day where all of the companies get together in a room and then present and pitch to a room full of investors. And these are like all the fanciest investors in Silicon Valley. And there's, I think the year I did it, there was something like 800 investors in the room. And so you're just pitching to this whole group and then you raise your seed round. And then the goal is from there, you know, you go on to like series A, B and C, but Y Combinator is like that, that bedrock that builds the foundation of your company. So once you got involved with Y Combinator, and sorting robotics, did the opportunity present itself to get into the cannabis business? Yeah, I mean, it kind of was one, it was like the most important thing for us to tackle. Because during the time of Y Combinator, they let us in specifically because they knew that we were going to go to a different market. Because they they told, they told us that like our company wasn't venture backable because we were just selling to these like kind of e-commerce sellers online for this very niche product. And so we spent like four months, like just checking every different market like we were we were going to do stuff in like the um 
like logistics space, uh, like warehousing. Like we, we we were looking all over the space. And then eventually we landed in cannabis because we had a few people in our cohort that were big cannabis companies, or they were kind of small at the time. Like Navis was in the same cohort as us, and then so was Flower Co. And so when we were talking with them, we kind of like went through this whole um, back and forth where they're like, "Yeah, dude, you could just like just build something that helps us out," <laughs> and um, and like really anything because it's it's kind of, kind of weird and it still kind of holds true to this day that the really big automation companies that can solve all the problems in the cannabis space have absolutely no interest in solving the problems in the cannabis space because of its legality. They don't even want to touch it. And gray like gray zones are where startups thrive, right? And so then we noticed that there was really nothing automated in the space. And that's when we kind of started to approach some of the problems and started ranking them. And then in 2019, we kind of hooked up with our friends at Flower Co., and started working with them up in Humboldt to do a, a large-scale biomass sortation system. And we worked on that for a few months. And the whole idea behind that was we were going to do a uh, arbitrage on buying up all the trim that we could possibly buy. And then we were going to separate it out and do like a sum of the parts is greater than sum of the whole sort of strategy and pull out the flower and sell the bee buds and take out the stems and waste those away and then take the leaves and send it to oil. And that made sense given the information that we had at the time. Cause let's see, in 2018, like all the prices kind of collapsed, right? And it was like it was kind of this bloody market. And then when we came to market with our device, which is basically a like those high throughput tomato sorters, but for weed. When we came to market in 2019, the market like flipped. It completely changed. And some of the regulations changed and how the trim and outdoor and mixed light stuff was getting sold, those channels also changed. And so instead of us being able to find trim that we could sort with our machine in a very efficient manner, all the prices for trim and all the prices for bee buds, they tripled that year. And so people weren't just selling it out, they were actually going through and sifting through it by hand because they could, right? They could actually make that make that business model work now. And so it kind of like it kind of threw a wrench in our in our business model. And so then that's why in 2020, we kind of decided to change our, our focus on what we tried to do. And so what was that? Then what, what was the new focus? So the new focus was specifically making automation for cannabis manufacturers. Because before we were just kind of like using our skills in like a clever way, I guess. But then now we we just needed to like understand the market much, much more deeply and understand the problems much, much more deeply. So the first step that we did we noticed we needed a manufacturing facility that we could control so that we could test our products and have kind of unfettered access to this like highly regulated material. And then um, the second thing that we needed is that we needed to like know the problems, right? And we needed to like own the problems, feel them viscerally and like solve them. And so we started Rise Co-Packing with a couple of my friends that um, I had made along the way up in Oakland. And um, that's like a full service cannabis co-packing company. And it's like a it's like a sister company to Sorting Robotics where um, there's not a ton of overlap, but but we but I own both of them and so like they kind of talk to each other, right? But in in that scenario that was that worked out great, right? Because we're actually able to like understand all of the problems in the cannabis industry and all the places where things can be improved, which Sounds kind of crazy, right? To like start a whole nother company to learn how to run the other company better or to build for the other company. But the market's so fragmented that something like that is actually necessary to do when, I mean, arguably you could say that the cannabis industry hasn't 
really started yet. So it becomes federally legal and it's like, yeah, once it becomes federally legal, like you'll see this crazy shift, right? Like it, it might be like a night and day sort of thing. So what was the problem that you were solving though with this new Rise company? So with starting Rise Co-Packing, we were solving the issue that we saw with a lot of brands that were trying to go to market and a lot of farms that were trying to go to market where they don't have the um, like distribution and um, capital expenses required to like get co-packing equipment and kind of like cyclic nature of that is difficult to do with your labor. And so if you're a brand, the only way for you to go to market if you're unlicensed is to like go through a co-packer or go through a distributor. What's a co-packer? Oh, co-packer is a, a contract packaging company. So Rice Co-Packing, one of its target markets is like indoor flower growers that have their own house brand. So what we'll do is they uh, the the grower will come to us. They say, I grow, I have a cultivation license and that's it. I don't have any space to package my material. I don't have any labor to package it, but I grow and I'm a great grower, but I want a brand. And so they come to us, they have ideas for their brand. We have relationships with graphics designers and print shops and this whole thing. We can kind of bring them to market and they give us their flower like on the stem. We'll bucket down, we'll trim it, we'll package the A's. We'll take the bees, we'll make pre-rolls out of them, and then we'll give them the trim or send it to one of our friends um, to get turned into extracts. And then we'll package the extracts. So we do like all the manufacturing in the middle for these uh, for these. Growers. And when you say we, you mean your robots do it, right? There's not humans doing this. Oh, there's humans. No, no, there's definitely humans, but there's also robots. They work in a symbiotic relationship right now. Explain how the ro- what the robots do. So there's a few robots in the facility. The first one is a like off-the-shelf robot from one of our friends at Green Vault Systems. It's like a huge weighing machine, and that weighing machine automatically weighs the weed and then puts it into jars. And then um, there's another one that we kind of worked with them on, where it's like a conveyor system that feeds into the weighing machine, and then there's a camera on top of it that like sees the buds and counts the buds and approximates the size and approximates the weight. So that way you can like feed into this system automatically and then it weighs the buds automatically and then it drops into the jars automatically. And then those jars go into an automatic labeling system and capping system and then it comes off the line. And then there's another robot at the very end, which is like kind of a palletizer and that's one that we've made. And that one just picks the jars off the line, puts it into a box, and then there's a camera that verifies that all that happens. And um, it's still in that whole line is still kind of in its prototype stages, but it's able to decrease a kind of completely manual packaging line of 20 people down to like three. And it's extremely efficient. And that's that's one robot. We have another robot, which is a pre-roll infusion robot. And that one we use when we white label for some customers at Rise, but then also Sorting Robotics itself sells that machine to multi-state operators and people out of state as well. And that machine automates the activity of infusing joints. So you probably know like the like fuzzies or Jeter's type joints, right? Yeah. So so those are pretty labor intensive to build. You have to make the pre-rolls like how you normally would, but then you have to put distillate on it and then let that dry and then kind of roll that in keef. And that whole process is very slow. It's very labor intensive. It's very wasteful. And so we developed the system that melts down the concentrate and then actually injects it directly down the center of a pre-roll. And it does that in like an automated and very calibrated fashion. So there's not many losses and it's also much more precise. And when you look at companies like Canada, where everything there is a pharma grade, they need everything to be like very precisely dosed. They can't have variances of 20 or 30% on a joint to joint. Cause like, imagine if you, um, 
you got like a medication and it varied 20 to 30% in its strength, right? it would like, it, it wouldn't work, right? The FTC wouldn't allow it. And so for something like for them, that's like a big deal. The ability to like calibrate and dose. And it also reduces all that labor as opposed, it's like five times faster than the traditional method of creating infused pre-rolls. So they're infusing, are they also rolling? Is that part like, do they roll the joints? No, no, my, my machine doesn't roll the joint. It's just basically at the very end of someone's manufacturing line. Because some people might roll the joint, some people might hand pack the joint. If it's a blunt, a lot of the times they're hand packing it. Or some people might use like knock boxes. And so there's enough kind of pre-roll robots that roll the joint that are kind of all duking it out in some in some weird battle of who who's better and who's not. So I decided not even to like engage with that market and then just be right at the end. And we're the only one that does the infused pre-roll joint. So you're the only company that that does that right now. Yeah. And so I'm going to ask a question that maybe some people listening are going to ask. And it's like, you know, whenever people hear about robotics and automation, they get nervous that does that mean less human jobs, right? Does that mean you're taking work away from people? But you told me when we first met that actually that's not true at all. If anything, you're helping people. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, the kind of classical thing is like, what are people going to do when you take away their jobs? Right. Right. The robots are going to steal all the jobs. Yeah. Yeah, robots are going to steal the jobs. Well, uh, the first thing is that in the cannabis industry, especially in California, I don't know how it is in every state. It might be very similar. But there's like a huge labor shortage. At Rise, we face it ourselves where finding consistent labor for these like very like dull, repetitive tasks is very difficult and it's also very difficult to find that in a like reliable path and agriculture has been running into this like continuous labor shortage over the past 5 to 10 years and the cultivation of cannabis and the manufacturing of cannabis is is not shielded from that it still faces the same labor shortage like the united states is turning much into into like a knowledge worker economy and so there's less and less people that are either willing to or like are available to do these manufacturing type jobs. And so really the automation comes in and no one gets fired. People just move to a different part of the business because in cannabis, the problem isn't, oh, I have all this labor and it's costing me a lot of money. It's, oh, I don't have enough labor to supply my demand. And so the robots come in and then the laborers, the labor workers, they go and do something more valuable. They go do something that's more complicated, something that they can do that they're human and something creative as opposed to something kind of like dull and boring. Tell me about, you know, since you guys launched, have you been successful and are you looking to scale? Are you looking to get into other parts of the business? Yeah. So when it comes to the Rise co-packing side of things, we've been doing pretty good. We started in operations about June of last year, like May, June timeframe. And we brought on a bunch of clients. We do some of the biggest brands in the state, some of their outsourced co-packing or some of, or we're one of like an array of co-packers. And then on the robotics side of things, we spent a lot of time doing R&D last year for a couple products, one being the pre-roll infusion machine, and then another one being a high throughput vape cartridge filling machine. And the joint machine has come to market a couple months ago, and we've been selling a few of them and we're just continuing to sell them and we'll be doing our second delivery at the beginning of, or not the, well, I guess we're in September now. So in a week or two, and then we're going to continue to be doing deliveries for the rest of the year and just satisfying that need. And then the vape cartridge filling machine will be coming to market in probably November of this year. And we already have a bunch of pre-orders for that as well. So it's kind of like bringing the automation in the space from automation to robotics. Is something that's smarter, something that can 
be more like interconnected. What's, explain that to me, the difference between automation and robotics, because to me, it seems like the same thing. Yeah. So I would say robotics is like a subset of automation. So automation, the way I quantify it is it's effectively like a clockwork mechanism where it does what you tell it to do at a certain timing for certain given variables. But robotics does the exact same thing, except on top of it, it makes decisions. So it will choose like it will choose if this is a good thing to do or if it is not a good thing to do based on a certain set of variables. So it's a it's another layer on top of automation. Is there do you f- see a world where most of the manufacturing processes of cannabis is done through robotics? Do you see this? I mean, this is obviously if this is successful, it's only going to grow. Do you sort of foresee a world where like it's just completely robotic and automated? The manufacturing definitely. process? Yeah, definitely. Because right now we basically have nothing but discrete manufacturing jobs, right? Like even if you go into like an extractor, it looks very rudimentary. I think like many people would be very surprised if they went into like an extraction facility and they saw how they did extraction. They'd be like, oh, so like you just like, put it in that barrel and then it like does its thing. And then you put it in like a jar, right? It's like very, it looks like you're cooking almost, right? So that can only last for so long. Federal legalization will probably be that turning point where we go from discrete manufacturing to full processes and production, where instead of having these like little stations where things are done, you'll have like a general mills style facility that's huge and it has conveyors and stuff all over the facility. And things are kind of continuous where you're getting semi trucks with weed and it's going, they're like dumping it into this facility. And at the very end, you're getting little one gram jars of like shatter or something like that. Are there any jobs that robots can't do in the cannabis industry? Like it just has to be done by humans. I would say right now, probably the most difficult thing for a robot to do, which I don't see happening for, I mean, a while is, is actually the trimming of flour in like a trimming of like indoor flower, like high grade trimming. They have trimming machines right now that are used for uh, mixed light or um, doing like the kind of initial trimming portion of flower, but nothing that does like the very finely sculpted. Like when you go in and you're buying like a $60 eighth or a $70 eighth, those things are trimmed by hand and they look like little miniature sculptures. They look beautiful, right? And there's nothing that can really simulate that level of precision and decision making of like how things should be trimmed there's like kind of these other trimming machines that basically tumble the weed and shave off the ends however that kind of makes the weed eventually look kind of rounded so if you ever see like flower that's like outdoor it usually looks like an egg but if you look at an indoor eighth from like northern emeralds or something like that they don't look like that at all they look like a it looks like a little christmas tree right um so Doing that is very difficult. I know a couple of companies that are trying to simulate that with automation, but I don't think that they've really nailed it down yet. Well, Natalis is so interesting. Tell me a little bit about if people want to find out more about your company, what would they do and, and if they want to follow you, et cetera? Yeah. If you want to find out more about Sorting Robotics, I would say just go to sortingrobotics.com. We have uh, a bunch of our products there and some videos of our products. If uh, you guys know cannabis brands that are looking to go to market, risecopacking.com is the representative site for that. And if you like infused pre-rolls, Rise Copacking has a house brand called Jico Joints. So uh, follow us on Instagram at Jico Joints. Jico Joints with an S. Some people have been spelling it with a Z. How do you spell it? S? Yeah. Uh, J-I-K-O-J-O-I-N-T-S. Okay, cool. And any plans to go back to Mars and 
figure out a way to grow cannabis on Mars? <laughs> Do you think that'll ever happen? Well, from what I understand, Elon Musk is trying to go to Mars. So I think that's probably going to be the first plant he grows, right? Like he's... He seems to be into cannabis these days. He's in a weed, right? Yeah. So... <laughs> well, that's, that's encouraging. All right. Well, Natal, thanks again for everything. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for listening to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. To find out more about Green Entrepreneur, you can go to greenentrepreneur.com or check out our magazine on newsstands everywhere. Check out our Instagram at Green Entrepreneur. We're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and all other social media feeds. If you like this podcast and you'd like to hear more from me, Jonathan Small, check out my other podcast, Write About Now, that's W-R-I-T-E, to get some in-depth interviews into the lives and stories of successful writers, how they got there, what they learned, and what you need to succeed. That's writeaboutnowmedia.com. Until next episode, we'll THC you later.